Welcome to It's a Good Life, the podcast for entrepreneurs, where it's all about growing yourself and your business. Here's your host, founder of America's largest business coaching company, Brian Buffini. Top of the morning to you, and welcome to today's episode, The Myth of Work-Life Balance. You know, balance in most people's minds is actually a destination. And the reason so many people feel stressed out in their businesses or their lives is when they compare their own businesses and lives to the perceived destinations of other people. We end up living our lives in the once I get there mentality. Then I'll be able to achieve this mythical status of work-life balance. Well, balance is not a destination. It's a process, a process of adjustments to the changes and challenges of business and life. The actual goal is balancing with emphasis on the ING part of that. So I have three points for you today, as I usually do, that might give you a greater sense of contentedness with where you actually are, and a few pointers on how you might be able to experience a greater sense of what you're looking for from this thing called balance. So I have three points for you. It's all about the ING is point number one. The opposing forces is point number two. And number three win at what you value. So let me start by giving you a definition of balance. So balance, by definition, is a state of equilibrium characterized by cancellation of all forces by equal opposing forces. So it's a state, right? So the very fact that balance is a state makes it problematic. We live on a planet that spins, life changes. You come into the world bald and naked, you leave the world bald and naked is the old phrase. So everything in our world changes. We're looking for this state of equilibrium where everything is safe, everything is peaceful, everything's without struggle, everything is achievement, everything is success, everything is good. And that's what we hope for. And it's just not real life. And what happens is we end up comparing our businesses, our lives to other people. And in the Instagram world we live in, where people are presenting the very best of what they have, the best meals they have, the best trips they've taken, the best abs they have, or whatever is going on. Their kids on the one good day they have, that's what they post, and then we go, man, my life stinks, or my business is terrible. So a great example of this, and it's a bit of a confession, is, uh, as I mentioned a few times, is one of the ways I traveled around the country for 17 years, I had my own Learjet. And this allowed me to be in two places at one time. That was the reason. So... I'm flying along one time uh, on a, was a Lear 45 was the plane we flew on, and it flies pretty high. So commercial travels between 33 and 38,000 feet. This flies up higher. So you go up to 45,000 feet and you can get up to 51,000 feet. And it's an amazing thing. Up there, the air traffic control basically just lets you go because there's no traffic interfering with you. You're in thinner air and it's clean flying. It's great. It was an amazing experience. But one thing that happens is when you're in the plane and you're having the best ever, you're having a nice meal, it's a great private plane, you're taking a straight route, you're going fast, so you have nothing to complain about. But I've taken, you know, thousands of these flights. I would look out the window and when you're going over like part of the American desert or mountains or whatever, it just looks like you're not moving at all. And you've had this experience on a plane. You look out and you hear the engine and you can kind of tell you're moving, but it feels like you're creeping along. Well, over the intercom, uh, my lead pilot, Edgar Rosado, says, hey, Brian, 
couple thousand feet of separation off our left wing. There's a plane flying below us. Go check it out. So I switch over to the left side of the plane, look out the window, and sure enough, I see this condensation trail coming behind this plane, and it just goes past. So the two planes are kind of 2,000 feet apart, and it just, boom, like a blink of an eye. And I was like, wow. And then I got back in my seat, look out the window, and immediately, it looks like we're not moving again. So I didn't really know I was doing it, but I, I went up to Edgar, and I go, Edgar, what in the heck were those people flying? Like, they were really cooking. And he kind of looked at me, he was a bit sheepish. And he said, Brian, they were in the same plane as us. So two things were happening. We were going about 560, 600 miles an hour. So were they. So the combined speed to start with was about 1,100, 1,200 miles an hour. So boom, we're both going in these different directions. They're in their plane going, my gosh, what's that guy flying? And I never forget it because I thought, hang on a second here. I'm in the best possible situation I could possibly be. Everything's going great. But when I compared myself to someone else, I hang on a second here. They're in a fast plane and I'm in a slow plane. And it wasn't true. It wasn't true. Well, that's kind of a comical look at things. It's not so comical when we think about other people are in shape, other people's relationships, other people's families, other people's business, other people's income. And we can end up in a state where we're actually doing pretty good. We're actually flying high. We're actually doing well. We look out the window, it doesn't feel like we're moving very fast. And then when you see somebody else, a glimpse of somebody else, it's like, ah, I'm getting left behind. That's why that story, I think, is relevant to a lot of people. So it's all about the ing, the I-N-G. It's not about balance, it's about balancing. Balance is a state, balancing is adjusting. So balance is a destination in mind that can't be reached. That's the first sub-point I want to share with you. It's just a destination that can't be reached. And you, you get into this, once I've achieved this, then I'll be there. That's a terribly frustrating place. Uh, Victor Hugo said, to put everything in balance is good. To put everything in harmony is better. A quote from Rumi said, life is a balance between holding on, letting go. Albert Einstein said, life is like riding a bicycle. To keep your balance, you must keep moving. That's really the key. Ralph Waldo Emerson said, life is a journey and not a destination. So if you're feeling down, if you feel like you haven't achieved or arrived or where you're not where you want to be, remember, you're balancing. And the balancing is the success. Second sub-point on this is you don't know how much is too much until you do it. And I can tell you that throughout my life, like, I don't know how many events is too many events to do until I did too many events. I don't know how much too much leisure time is too much until I did that. Sometimes you don't know how much you should eat until you eat too much. So it's okay that you have these experiences where you go, okay, hang on, this is too much, I need to readjust. This is too many hours, I need to adjust. This is too much debt, I need to readjust. We have to do what we need to do, what we want to do, and then we adjust. Peggy Noonan said, by trying to do too much, you risk not doing enough. Ambie Burfitt said, life is a marathon and not a sprint. Pace yourself accordingly. Ambie was a a long-distance runner. George Allen was an NFL coach, said, try not to do too many things at once. Know what you want, the number one thing today and tomorrow, and persevere and just get it done. Uh, Louise Hart said, doing too much for others, often at their own expense, by the way. Many persons are more human doings than human beings. So you do so much, 
You feel a little burnt out. You do too much leisure. You feel like you're not active enough. Adjust. It's about balancing. So you're adjusting. The best advice I can give you to this is actually to practice balancing. One of the things I do with my trainer at the gym is I, I work out on a thing called a BOSU ball. Now, BOSU ball is like a big circular ball cut in a third with a solid base on the bottom. A guy here in Encinitas in San Diego invented it. And what it does is you have this hard base with like this blue top of rubber filled with air. It's like the top third of a circular ball. And what I'll do is I'll, I'll do a shoulder press and squats standing on the BOSU ball. And the reason being is instead of doing it on the ground, the BOSU ball requires you to make tiny little adjustments. And it's your smaller muscles that go to work, which gives you greater stabilization. It's actually for future balance. And so I do these workouts while on the BOSU ball and the little muscles fire. We need to practice balancing. It's not something you come out of the womb doing. It's the opposite. When you're a kid, well, how do you know how much chocolate to eat or how many candies to eat? Well, you eat until you get sick. That's what happens a lot of times, right? That's why they say he's like a kid in a candy store. So we have to practice balancing, right? So balance is not a destination. You don't know how much is too much until you do it. And then like that Bosu ball, you got to practice balancing. A great anonymous quote, anonymous is always my favorite person to quote, says you don't have to worry about work-life balance if you don't have a life, right? Malcolm Gladwell says, practice isn't the thing you do once and then you're good. It's the thing you do that makes you good. Janet Kingsford said, balance is not something you find, it's something you create. And so it's a big deal. It's a fantastic deal. Balance is not a destination in mind that you're going to reach. And I think you can take a big breath. It's not this destination. It's a process. You won't know how much you're doing is too much until you do too much. And then you go, okay, I'm going to learn from that. You can be seven or 70. And then we have to practice balancing. Okay, we have to practice it and adjusting, and making the tweaks, and not like, okay, I'm done. It's the same thing with a budget. People say, okay, now i got a budget, I'm done. Well, I call it a working budget, because the budget is, here's what I'm planning on doing, and then the working budget is the adjustments I make as my expenses are happening month by month. Then I'm, okay, we're going to have to adjust this thing. Here's the second thing I want to talk about, is uh, the opposing forces. The opposing forces. The first thing I'm going to dive into here is the actual work life versus home life. We did an episode 37 in season two, was called The War Within. And I kind of go into greater detail with this. But this is this tug of war that anyone who's in the marketplace feels. And it's the tug of war between two good things. You can have your work, which is a good thing. And you have your home and personal life, which is a good thing. But you can end up feeling guilty when you're working You feel guilty you're not with your family, or you can feel bad that you're not taking care of your body or doing these other things you need to do. So you have this tug of war. Similarly, you can be with your family, you can take care of your own affairs, but you can feel guilty that you're not taking care of your customers or taking care of your company or doing all you can to succeed. So it's this tug of war, and it's this tension. That guilt means you carry it around with you all the time, and it's a drainer. It actually drains your energy. It takes away your focus. So if you're operating in a place of guilt, you're not operating in a place of freedom. So then it becomes that mindset. So the opposing forces to this work-life balance is work and home are both good things. They're both good things. A survey from FlexJob said the number one reason people want to change careers is to have a better work-life balance, which is 56% of people surveyed. It's even more important to people 
than having a higher salary. Stephen Covey said the challenge of work-life balance is without question one of the most significant struggles faced by modern man. Everybody feels it. Everybody has it. I'm not doing enough. Or I could do more. Oh, I'm doing a great job at work, but I'm not with my kids. I'm doing a great job in my career and my business, but I'm not taking care of my health. I'm taking care of my health. I'm taking care of my business. I'm taking care of my family, but I haven't taken care of the finances and the investments and uh, I don't have my financial house in order. And there's just this tension all the time. And it's just, you're on the BOSU ball of life and you're making these little adjustments. And sometimes the knees quiver and sometimes the thighs quiver and sometimes you have to catch yourself. But at the end of the day, you're balancing. And that's why the second dynamic is that the physical health versus the time demands. You know, the studies for the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention say Americans have five hours free time daily. That's kind of crazy. And so where does it go? A lot of it obviously goes to mobile, PC, apps, TV, whatever. But if we have five hours a day, can we crank 30 minutes? You know, what good is time if you have poor health, right? That's, that's my grandmother used to say that all the time. William Penn used to say, time is what we want most, but use worst. Brian Tracy said, you must master your time rather than become a slave to the constant flow of events and demands on your time. We need to be disciplined with our time. We just have to be. Again, another episode I'd recommend to you is Jocko Wilnick, Navy SEAL commander. He said, discipline is the pathway to freedom. And he had episode uh, 166 in the first season when it was called The Brian Buffini Show. So check that out. Bottom line is we have the work life versus home life contest going on. We have the physical health versus time demands contest going on. And then we have the third one, which is the quality of life versus lifestyle. And this all brings me back to when I left uh, Ireland. I never forget, I, I left Ireland in 1986. My dad knew about America. My dad was born in America. He lived here until he was seven. He had his brother, as my Uncle Jimmy, lived in New York. And Jimmy was the sponsor that helped me get my green card to come to the States in the first place. And Jimmy worked three jobs. And Jimmy was going all the time. And I always remember this. I remember growing up. I mean, we were in a tiny little house and five boys in one bedroom. And I always remember Jimmy had a swimming pool. Jimmy had a swimming pool. And not to justify himself or whatever else, my dad knew the scene. My dad knew what was going on with Uncle Jimmy's life in New York. And he said, Brian... I know all about America and what it has to offer. And I'm glad you're going. There's more opportunity there than there, there is here, which in 1986 in Ireland was hard, hard times. But he said, remember this, Brian. He says, you can have a great lifestyle in America. But what we have here in Ireland is a great quality of life. And I remember coming away with that thought going, okay, well, what, how can I build both? And what I actually created for myself was a phrase called quality of living. I actually made this kind of statement in my mind to do this quality of living. I wanted the lifestyle. I wanted more and I wanted to achieve and I wanted to have success. But I also wanted to have this quality of life. In fact, when I was traveling, the only way I could find myself to do both was I had to buy a jet. In order to do that, what did I have to sacrifice? Well, if I hadn't owned a jet and flew commercially and I had invested those funds, just the funds for the airplanes, the two pilots, the maintenance on the planes, the hangar I owned, the fuel I bought, just that investment alone over those 17 years would have been its own incredible fortune. And I knew that at the time. Because what was more important to me was to be home. What was more important to me is I'm married 33 years, happily married. I wanted to be there for my kids as much as I could. 
I wanted to be part of the community. I want to be involved in my church. I didn't want to be a guy on the road. And you know what? A lot of my peers in the speaking business have been married three and four and five times, and it's a brutal deal. And I get it. I get it. I understand it. I have empathy for it. You give up something. And so that whole story with my dad about quality of life versus lifestyle, that was, again, opposing forces that, to me, I merged together into this quality of life. And again, I had to make adjustments. And again, do you ever feel like you were getting there? No, no, you never do. You never feel like you've arrived. I was on a board meeting here recently, this wonderful young fellow. He's built a company from scratch up to $200 million. And he was presenting to the board a plan to go and get a couple hundred million dollars worth of financing. And his phrase was, I'm relentlessly ambitious. And I know this can be a two to three billion dollar company. Now, he might be right. He might be right. I think he has the goods to do it. The question I had in my mind is, I wonder, should he? He has a family and young kids and this and any other. And my question was, I wonder, should he? Now, maybe he can be relentlessly ambitious and get to a billion. And I'm not an either-or guy. I'm a both-and guy. But I'm going to say this. Look at people who've been all in on one area. A lot of times they're all out on another. So it's this balancing act. And we're going to talk about what you value. I'm sharing, obviously, what I value. So the good life requires money. So, okay, I'm going to make money. I'm going to bust my hump. But I'm going to try to do it to have this quality of life or this lifestyle. I'm going to have this quality of living. Zig Ziglar says, money isn't the most important thing in life, but it's reasonably close to oxygen on the scale of gotta have it. Warren Buffett said, if you buy things you do not need, soon you'll have to sell the things you do need. Dave Ramsey said, earn a lot of money is not the key to prosperity. How you handle it is. Quality of life versus lifestyle. So as we talk about the opposing forces in balancing, it's the work life versus home life. It's the physical health versus your time demands. And it's that quality of life versus lifestyle. So I'm just sharing the best I have with you today. I'm not sure what all of this is going to resonate with you, but I'm just sharing with you from my heart because I know it's something that I've wrestled with. And I've also seen a lot of other people wrestle with. It's one of the reasons why in coaching, I would say this is a huge part of business coaching. We're working with somebody, the coach will say, right, give me your goals. And we will start out with five circles, right? Spiritual, family, business, financial, personal. And the personal is mental and physical well-being. Now, the coach specifically focuses in the business and the finances areas as the foundation for those other areas. If the client wants, we'll, okay, hold me accountable to this and hold me accountable to that, or let's talk about my progress. But that's really where the coaches, I think the hidden genius of the coaches is, is the small adjustments, the small tweaks. And you make these small tweaks over the period of a year, a year and a half, two years, and now all of a sudden you get these incredible success stories. And so kudos to the coaches. You guys do an incredible job helping people with the balancing act. The third and last part, I've already kind of talked about this, is win at what you value. I just shared with you the reason I had an airplane was based on what I valued. And I valued my time more than I did more riches while still busting my hump and making money, right? So what do you value? One of the ways to really find out what you value is review your calendar. Tom Peter says, your calendar knows what you really care about. Do you? Jim Rohn says, either run the day or the day runs you. Zig Ziglar said, people often complain about lack of time when lack of direction is the problem. The fact of the matter is, the time we have at our disposal every day is elastic. And the passions that we feel expand it, and those that we inspire contract it. And habits fill up with what remains. 
And I read that from uh, Marcel Proust, and I thought, hmm, that's really good stuff. The time we have at our disposal every day is elastic. Is there anything more that defines this balancing? So review your calendar. It'll tell you where you spend your time. It'll show you what you value. The second thing is review your bank statements. My mentor, Dr. Alex Lackey, used to say, Brian, show me your checkbook, show me your day timer, right? So today's world, it's review your calendar, review your your bank statements. You find out what you value. Where's your money going? Where's your time going? Review it. Review it as a values exercise. And by the way, a lot of good stuff comes from that. Okay, my number one expense is my house. Well, I value my home. I value my home life. That's what I value. See where you're spending your dough. See what's going on. You might find out you value premium coffee over being debt-free on a small credit card. Okay. And you can do that and you can still have your coffee. But now, okay, this is what I value. Now here's what have I got to do to get debt-free? Okay, I'm not going to cut out the coffee. What else do I need to cut out? Capital One actually did a big uh, exercise with uh, CreditWise. And they said that finances are the number one cause of stress. 73% of people find their stress comes from money. Politics is 59%. Work was 49%. And family, 46%. So show me your checkbook. I'll show you what you value. This is where people are struggling. P.T. Barnum said, money is a terrible master, but an excellent servant. Review your calendar. Review your bank statements. Where you spend your money, where you spend your time. And then lastly, write out your internal worries. And I've said this for years, it takes the same amount of energy to worry as it is to succeed. The fact of the matter is, in what you value, it's what you have concerns for, that's a value. What you have fears for is an attack on your values and what you value. So write them out. I often say people's fears and worries are like a mouse with a megaphone. And when you write them out, all of a sudden, ah, you take the megaphone away from the mouse. So you're going to review your calendar. Then you're going to, where I'm spending my time. I'm going to review my bank statements, where I'm spending my money. I'm going to write out my worries. Christina Baldwin says, journal writing is a voyage to the interior. Stephen Covey said, writing is a powerful way to sharpen the mental saw. And a study from Indiana University showed that handwriting increases neural activity in certain sections of the brain, similar to meditation. That's why journaling, what I did, what I thought, how I felt, write it all out. So win at what you value. Review your calendar, review your bank statements, write out your worries. We covered a lot of stuff today. We covered it. It's all about the ing. We talked about the opposing forces. And we talked about winning at what you value. You know, it's a good life. It really is. And it requires balancing. The great life is this destination we think we can all get to. And life is just not that way. It has heartache in it. It has difficulties. It has circumstances. It has surprises. It has accidents. It has unexpected health diagnoses. It has unexpected bills. It has unexpected changes in market conditions and interest rates and world events. It's a balancing act. We live on a planet that spins. Get up on your little Bosu ball mentally and realize that you're just going to make these small adjustments. Don't be getting down on yourself because you're not where you think this person is or where you think that person is. Focus on what you're really doing well. Focus on that your plane is cranking along and you're killing it. And then work through the process, right? Do the homework. For those of you who have a a small business, and especially for those in the real estate lending business, more and more news is going to be coming to you guys on what we're building for general entrepreneurs and small business owners in the months and years to come. We're very excited about the projects we have underway. Get yourself someone to help you, okay? You need help. And if you need a coach, check us out. 
go to the itsagoodlife.com website and uh, go and schedule one of these free business consultations. And I don't talk about it all the time. Why wouldn't I? Why wouldn't I? I see the results every day. Phenomenal. The people change in their businesses and lives, especially in this area, whether it be organization, whether it be production, whether it be income generation, but ultimately the ability to be able to kind of enjoy your business a bit more and enjoy your life a bit more. The podcast is called It's a Good Life. And to do it, we need to do a bit of balancing. Well, I hope this has been helpful for you today. I certainly have enjoyed bringing it to you. I always try to speak to you from the heart. I'm glad you're part of this audience. I'm glad you uh, share this show with so many. And I'm glad to see that we're reaching new ground all the time and new people all the time. And I hope this uh, episode's been a blessing to you. And uh, speaking of blessing, I'm going to hand this show over to someone who's been a blessing to me for the last 20 years, Mr. David Lally. Too kind, Bus. Thanks so much. I could say the very same. And it really is about the ing of balancing. It can be easy to forget, of course, that it's not the destination only, but who we become along the way. As Brian mentioned, we offer a free business consultation that so many people have benefited from in their businesses. So go to itsagoodlife.com to schedule yours. And until next time, here's Brian's mum, Therese. May the road rise up to meet you. And may the wind always be at your back. May the rain fall soft upon your fields and the sun shine warm upon your face. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the hollow of his hand. See you next time.